Welcome to the Gateway.Live podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray that God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in. Well, I'm, I'm going to take you uh, somewhere a little bit different today. Uh, we're continuing our series on doing life together. And uh, this, may, this message and kind of the, the journey we take together today may be a little challenging for some of us. And that's okay. Um, because the burden I feel for this weekend is reflection and connection. That, that I, I felt a really strong burden about this. And so I'm really not going to preach, preach. I'm really more going to facilitate today. And the question we're going to ask and answer together today is this. What does real life look like when we do it together? What does it actually look like to do real life together? I I think some of us have this idea that's false, that things are going to be perfect and and everything's going to be better and easier, and that's not necessarily the case. And so I'm going to give you three things, and then we're going to walk this out together. But let me give you kind of the burden for the why behind this, because some of you Maybe you've never done something like what we're about to do in church together. Uh, And and I just want to remind you, uh, Jesus made some really strong statements. Uh, If you think about this, he says, uh, uh, someone comes to him in Matthew 22 and says, Teacher, boil the entire book down for me. Boil all the law down. Make it simple for me. It's a one thing. Just tell me, what's the one thing? And Jesus says, without hesitation, he says, great. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And as Christ followers, I think sometimes we're guilty of thinking Jesus stopped there. So we come to church and we're really passionate about loving God and and going after God. And that's great and I don't ever want that to change in our church. But I don't know that we're always as intentional about the second thing Jesus says. He doesn't stop at love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. What does he say next? And love your neighbor as yourself. Someone asked Jesus, boil it all down. And Jesus says, love God, love people. Why do we try and complicate Christianity so much? Love God, love people. Then Jesus doubles down later and and says, listen, this is how the world will know you're with me. Your love for one another. Your love for one another. Not, isn't it crazy that he would say, not your love for me. That, that is hard for me to wrap my mind around theologically. That Jesus, the son of God, would say, here's how they'll know you're with me. Your love for one another. They'll know you love me based on how you love one another. Well, here's the big question. If in the family of God we're horrible loving one another, what statement are we making to the world? And what statement is being made about the love that we find in Christ Jesus if we're not very good at loving one another? So don't let this be frustrating to you, what we do today. Open your mind, open your heart. And we've done it before in little bites and pieces, but we're going to do it in each of the three points today. We're going to have some connection time, all right? So I'm going to give you three things that will kind of serve hopefully as reminders 
that you're actually doing real life together with one another. If you're not experiencing these three things, then it lets you know you are not doing real life together with one another in the house of the Lord, all right? Here's the first thing of the three. You know you're doing real life together when it is messy. When things get messy. If in every relationship in your life, there are no messes. I hate to burst your bubble. You don't have real relationship. And one of the things that frustrates me about this day and time is this Instagram culture. I hate it. I really think I should have been born in the 20s. Like 100 years ago, 20s. Not like the upcoming 20s. I'm going to hate those even more than the teens. I wish I was born in the 20s, and I say that to the Lord every once in a while. Like, I'm just a simple camo-wearing hunter that hates cell phones. But that's not the day in which we live. And what, I, what really wears on me is this Instagram mentality. And you know what I'm talking about. It's this take 30 pictures of the same look to find the most flattering picture you can and put that one up. When was the last time you put up the one that made you look the ugliest? I do that all the time. Every one of them makes me look ugly. Like I look at the picture and I'm like, it, it, my hairline. This. And then sometimes I'll look and go, my nose is like going higher up like this. Like it's, I honestly, this is a side note, I think God, because I've told you I I, when I was younger, I really struggled with pride. I think God designed my nose to be up so that all of you could see in it all the time and keep me humble. Really. Like, like literally. My nose hairs are going gray. It's, I mean, it's just a welcome mat for people to go, he's just a dude right there. <laughs> there ain't nothing flashy about him. Listen, but that's not how we live. Like we hide the mess. We have become champs at hiding the mess. Here's the problem. When you hide the mess from the doctor, you only get sicker. And when you hide the mess from all the other patients, at some point, you will hide your mess from the doctor. And I want to just show you so that you can be comforted that you don't have to hide your mess as a follower of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus came for your mess. Listen to Mark chapter 2, verse 16. But when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw Jesus eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Now, it would be easy to think that, that just because I read verse 16 that the Pharisees are talking about lost people, the tax collectors. But if you read the verse before, verse 15, it says that Jesus invited Matthew and his disciples and many disreputable sinners to this meal. So, it lets us know it's not just the tax collectors that were messed up. When you read the Gospels, you see Jesus' little life group called the disciples was messed up. <laughs> messed up. It actually encourages me. It should encourage you. The next time you go to your life group and you're sitting there going, man, these people are messed up. You are in good company. <laughs> Jesus had somebody in his life group that betrayed him. He had somebody in his life group that, that said he didn't even know him three times. Denied him. Messy. How messy are your relationships? That's how you know how real they are. Because we all have messes. Verse 17, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. 
I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. And then when you attach this to 1 Timothy 1, when Paul says, listen, I am the greatest of all sinners. He doesn't say I was, and he's not talking about presently at that time living in sin. He's saying, I'm messed up. I'm in a process, and only for the grace of God am I what I am. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do something that some of you are going to hate me for. All right? I want you to find somebody in this room, and here's the only rule that you didn't come to church with. All right? You didn't come to church with them. All right? And I want you to find this person, and I want you to ask them, and, and answer, you're both going to answer this question. Here's the question. What is the biggest mess in your life right now? We're going to the deep end of the pool, people. Hey, remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. All right? You're going to find out we all got messes. So find somebody you didn't come to church with. Introduce yourself. Jump in the deep in the pool and say, what's the biggest mess right now in my life? And I want you to kind of talk through the why. Why is it the mess? How did you get there?
All right. Way to go. Way to go. I know for some of you, this is excruciating. Find your seat, don't worry. You're about to reconnect in a couple of minutes. Okay, I wanna take a quick poll. I, I wanna take a quick poll. And I want you, I want you to be honest, all right? Don't, don't lie in church, okay? How many of you, there's this part of you in the middle of a message, like this isn't at the end of a message, at the beginning of a message where we're doing this and you're like, man, this, this is like, I don't even know if this is right. Just to be honest, how many put your hand up? Like, yeah, exactly, this is so great. I love it. You think I'm an idiot. It's awesome. But listen, you have to understand, I'm gonna stand before the Lord one day and he's not gonna ask how many people I got in this room. He's gonna ask how connected I got these people to his heart and to his family. That's what he's going to hammer in on me. And I wanna be able to stand before him and go, I, I didn't always do it the way everybody else did. I didn't do it just to be different, but I tried to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit says, hey, my family is disconnected, then listen, if I have to get you in the middle of a service to connect to God, and trust me, that's coming. It's coming in about 15 minutes. We're gonna have a sweet time with the Holy Spirit. It's coming. And it was so sweet in the nine o'clock service. But the family of God is a gift, and I'm tired of not leveraging that gift. I'm tired of, in every service, there's at least one person in every service every weekend who feels like they're drowning and just wants somebody to reach out. And we won't do this every weekend, don't worry about that, okay? But listen, there's something stern in me that at 40 years old, I find myself saying to the Lord on a very consistent basis, and that is, God, I wanna pastor the most connected church on the planet. Connected to you, God. Connecting the lost to you. Connecting to the family of God. And each person connecting to God's calling on their life. I wanna pastor the most connected church on the planet. So here's the second thing, all right? If you thought point number one was a little excruciating to talk about, point number two is gonna render you speechless, okay? What does it look like when we do life together? It looks honest, it looks honest. So what you just saw talking about your mess is the beginning of honesty. It's the beginning of honesty. We're too comfortable lying. We are. I think when we read passages talking about we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, it means we always have to put our best face on. We always have to walk in strength. But let me read you a few things that scripture says about this idea of strength and weakness. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse eight. Three different times I begged the Lord to take this thorn away from me. God had given him a thorn. Each time the Lord said, Paul, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Think about this for a moment. I wonder if some of us aren't experiencing the power of God simply because we're too busy walking and living in our own power. How do you know you're not walking in your own strength, living in your own power, when you walk in weakness? When you talk about your gray nose hairs that everybody can see. 
when you pull back the curtain and say, I'm not amazing, but I know the one who is, and I'm trying to grow every day, but I'm not there, but I'm enjoying the journey, following the Holy Spirit, giving control of my life to Jesus Christ, but I'm still a mess. I still make messes from time to time. Paul says, listen, I now boast about my weaknesses. Now, this doesn't mean you go to the grocery store and when the, the person behind the checkout counter asks you, hey, how's everything going? How are you doing these days? And you go, well, I'm horrible. And the reason I'm horrible is because I'm the worst at this you've ever seen. Like I am the worst Christian ever. And I, I'm, I'm horrible in my quiet time, but I'm just horrible. Okay, that's not walking in weakness, that's wallowing in it, okay? What I'm talking about and what I believe scripture is talking about is being honest about your weakness. Do you realize if you can't be honest about your weakness, the enemy is going to use it against you even more? Because you turn it into a blind spot you won't touch. But when we confess our faults one to another, what does scripture say? That way we may be whole or healed. We have to be able to confess not just our sins, our faults, the King James Version says. My mess is I got to be honest about my weaknesses. So here's what we're going to do. Okay, I want you to find, get back with that one person, and I want you to answer this question. Okay, where do I feel the weakest in my life right now? And there's a follow-up question, all right? And how did I get here? How did I get here? Where do I feel weakest and how did I get here, all right? So I'm gonna find that person, spend a couple minutes, we're gonna talk, don't start praying with one another, don't jump the gun, we're coming to that in a couple minutes, all right? So get back with that person, where do you feel weakest? We're going even deeper in the pool. We're gonna do life together. Where do you feel weakest in this season of your life? And how did you get there?
All right, I'm going to give you about 30 more seconds. We're about to get to the great part. Don't worry. It's already great. Fifteen more seconds. All right. I love it. Okay. Let's get to the fun part. You ready? This has been fun, but for some of you, it's been excruciatingly fun. And now we're going to turn a corner. Here's, here's the third way you know you are doing real life together. Helpful. It's helpful. You're getting help from the people around you. Let me read you Ecclesiastes 4. Now remember, and I've talked about this before, Ecclesiastes 4, everybody acts like it's the marriage chapter. It's not. The type of love that Ecclesiastes 4 is talking about is a relational love, not a marital love. Okay? So let me read you about how important it is not to do life alone and how beneficial it is to do real life together. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9. Two people are better off than one. We should be able to stop right there. That's God's word. For those of us who are tempted to wander in isolationism, we should be just we settled right there. Two people are better off than one. Isolationism is not good. But scripture goes further to help us really understand the why behind it. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. That doesn't sound so bad, does it? If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. And the implication there is to lift up. But someone who falls alone is in serious trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. I'm not going to ask you to do this next as our next exercise. <laughs> Don't worry, some of your hearts are like racing. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, and the implication here is more easily. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated more easily, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. And I believe that's reminding us in the family of God, it's great one plus one, but when we invite him and it's one plus one plus one, it's unstoppable. This is why there's such a fight for isolation. The enemy is trying to isolate, to get one, to remove itself from the 99. Why? Because unity is deadly. It's deadly. It's not just anointed. God doesn't just place or demand an anointing, which is what scripture says, where the brethren dwell in unity. But also unity is one of the biggest nightmares to our enemy. If one puts 1,000 to flight and two can put 10,000 to flight, why would I ever live alone? Help. We need each other's help. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to give back with that other person. Okay? You're going to ask two questions this time. You're going to ask one another two questions. Okay? Here's what I want you to ask the other person. In light of what we've talked about, how can I help? This is what family does. 
We don't just say, all right, God bless you. Great to talk to you today. How can I help? And then the second question is, and how can I pray for you? And then we're going to take a few moments, and I want you to pray for one another. And I want you to pray the hottest prayer you have ever prayed for anybody. I mean, I want you to rip open the windows of heaven. I want you to carry the burden they're feeling. If they were, were crying and emotional, talking about what they're going through, man, I want you to pick up that burden and I want you to cover them in prayer. All right? So get back with your person, ask them those two questions. In light of what we talked about, how can I help and how can I pray for you? And then I want you both to pray for one another and then we're gonna do something cool to wrap up our time together.
Okay, I'm going to give you about another minute or so to pray with one another. And we're going to put a sweet bow on our time together this morning. Start making your way back to your seat. You can start wrapping up your prayer. But I want you to stay in this attitude of prayer. Once you make your way back to your seat, I want you just to close your eyes. I want you just to close your eyes. And the burden I felt for this moment right here, this morning at about 6 a.m., as I was praying over this time, was I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, okay, once you've given them time to speak with my family about where they are and what's going on, Preston, I want you to make sure there's a moment for them to talk to me about it. So with your eyes closed, your head bowed, We're just going to take a few moments. You did a great job stretching yourself, talking to somebody you don't even know about possibly some really tough stuff. Being honest about where you're at, what's going on. Now I want you to take a few moments. I want you to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And we're going to finish with a time of worship. Just let the Holy Spirit speak.
Thanks for joining us on Gateway.Live. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com.